2 Chronicles chapter 35, verse 1. And Josiah kept a Passover unto the Lord in Jerusalem, and they killed the Passover lamb on the fourteenth day of the first month. This isn't just one lamb, it's one lamb per household. So this is tens of thousands of lambs. 2. And he set the priests in their charges, and encouraged them to the service of the house of the Lord. Now Josiah, just like King Hezekiah, is keeping the annual Passover, which the Jews hadn't been doing in a while. And the Passover represents salvation, so that's why it's the first feast of the year of the Jewish calendar. The very first thing in our Christian life is to get saved. The Lamb represents Jesus who is slain to save us from our sins. 3. And he said unto the Levites that taught all Israel that were holy unto the Lord, Put the holy ark in the house which Solomon the son of David king of Israel did build. There shall no more be a burden upon your shoulders. Now serve the Lord your God and his people Israel. Evidently, the Ark of the Covenant was removed from the temple during one of the evil king's reigns, and now Josiah is saying to put it back in the temple where it belongs. 4. And prepare ye after your father's houses by your courses, according to the writing of David king of Israel, and according to the writing of Solomon his son. The courses means the work schedules of the Levites, and he's reinstituting the work schedules of the Levites and saying, get back to work, follow the schedule, and do all the duties that you're supposed to do. He was putting the house of God back in working order so that people could give sacrifices to the Lord and honor the Lord. 5. And stand in the holy place according to the divisions of the fathers' houses of your brethren, the children of the people, and let there be for each a portion of a father's house of the Levites. Josiah is telling them, let no family of Levites be left out. They all have to take up their job duties. When it's their day to be in the temple, they go. 6. And kill the Passover lamb, and sanctify yourselves, and prepare for your brethren to do according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Josiah is telling them to follow all of the ordinances for the Passover feast. There's going to be a mass of sacrifices done. All the people of Israel have to travel to Jerusalem and do the feast there. So there's going to be a lot of people in Jerusalem. It's going to be totally full. 7. And Josiah gave to the children of the people of the flock lambs and kids, all of them for the Passover offerings, unto all that were present, to the number of thirty thousand and three thousand bullocks. These were of the king's substance. Josiah himself donated from the king's food lambs to be given as offerings on behalf of the people. He may have done this because he knew the people weren't totally prepared because they weren't used to doing the Passover every year. So he may have realized that some people would need donations on their behalf. And since he had spiritual authority over them as their king and their judge, it was appropriate for him to provide some animals. 8. And his princes gave willingly unto the people, to the priests, and to the Levites, Hilkiah and Zechariah and Jael, the rulers of the house of God, gave unto the priests for the Passover offerings two thousand and six hundred small cattle and three hundred oxen. So the princes of each tribe also provided cattle and Passover animals. Now, the cattle isn't used for Passover, but it may have been used for sin offerings and burnt offerings because the people are repenting of their sin. It could have also been used for fellowship offerings and peace offerings. The sin offering 
is when we ask God to forgive us of our sins. It's when we repent. The burnt offering means that we're dedicating our entire life to God. It's an offering of consecration. The peace offering means that we're thanking the Lord for forgiving our sins. And now we have peace with him. And the fellowship offering means that we now have fellowship with the Lord and his people. So we're now part of God's family. 9. Conaniah also, and Shemaiah, and Nethanel, his brethren, and Hashabiah, and Jael, and Josabad, the chiefs of the Levites, gave unto the Levites for the Passover offerings five thousand small cattle and five hundred oxen. The Levites themselves also had to offer sacrifices during the Passover for their own sin. So their leaders gave them animals as well. 10. So the service was prepared, and the priests stood in their place, and the Levites by their courses according to the king's commandment. The Levites were working really hard to help all the people make their sacrifices and to make the sacrifices for the Levites as well. This would be tens of thousands of animal sacrifices. The flesh doesn't get wasted because there's parts that go to God, parts that go to the priest, parts that go to the Levites, and parts that go back to the people to eat. It will all get consumed. 11. And they killed the Passover lamb, and the priests dashed the blood which they received of their hand, and the Levites flayed them. So it isn't just one animal. This is tens of thousands of animals, and the blood is getting dashed on the altar, just like it's supposed to. 12. And they removed the portions that were to be burnt, that they might give them to the divisions of the fathers' houses of the children of the people to present unto the Lord as it is written in the book of Moses, and so did they with the oxen. Some of the meat does get eaten by the people, depending on what kind of sacrifice it is. 13. And they roasted the Passover with fire according to the ordinance, and the holy offerings sawed they in pots, and in cauldrons, and in pans, and carried them quickly to all the children of the people. Sodding means boiling. They boiled some of the meat in water, in pots, because some offerings you're supposed to boil. If it's a fellowship or a free will offering or a peace offering, it might get boiled. So they did each offering according to what the law prescribed. And the Passover offering, the lamb, had to be roasted with fire. This symbolizes the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God. When Jesus died on the cross for us, God's fire consumed him in a spiritual sense. He was wholly given to the Lord in that sacrifice. So that's what the fire represents. Now remember, he had a crown of thorns on his head. And he was the Passover sacrifice, which is sacrificed in fire. And when Moses first met God at the burning bush, it was actually a burning thorn bush. It was thorns on fire. And that's what happened spiritually when Jesus was on the cross. The reason that God required animal sacrifice is because animals are innocent. They don't know right from wrong. A sinful person cannot make atonement for another person's sin. They had to sacrifice an animal because animals don't sin. Therefore, their blood can atone for sin. But Jesus, his blood is righteous. Animals cannot be righteous because they don't know right from wrong. The only way you can be righteous is if you know right from wrong and you still do not sin. And only one person in the entire universe has ever fulfilled that. That is Jesus Christ. The animals were not righteous because they couldn't sin if they wanted to. They didn't know what sin was. But Jesus knew what sin was. He was fully capable of it, and yet he never did it. And that's why he is the righteous one, the only righteous one. And that's why his blood transforms our lives. 
14. And afterward they prepared for themselves and for the priests, because the priests, the sons of Aaron, were busied in offering the portions that were to be burnt and the fat until night. Therefore the Levites prepared for themselves and for the priests, the sons of Aaron. The Levites did double duty. They prepared the Passover feast not only for their own families, but also for the priests, because the priests were working all night long, because they had to take care of tens of thousands of sacrifices. So they were standing up all night, and yet the Levites, their brothers, brought them the Passover meal. It's very beautiful. 15. And the singers, the sons of Asaph, were in their place, according to the commandment of David, and Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun, the king's seer, and the porters were at every gate. They needed not to depart from their service, for their brethren the Levites prepared for them. I don't believe these are the actual men, Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun. These are the households of Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun, because I believe those men were living in a previous generation and they were already dead, but their households were worshiping before the Lord during the Passover feast. And the Levites brought them the Passover meal as well because they couldn't leave their posts. They had to keep watching the doors and they had to keep worshiping the Lord. This is so beautiful how the Levites are serving the other Levites who can't move from their station. 16. So all the service of the Lord was prepared the same day to keep the Passover and to offer burnt offerings upon the altar of the Lord, according to the commandment of King Josiah. The king was ordering that all of this be done according to the Lord's commandment. 17. And the children of Israel that were present kept the Passover at that time, and the feast of unleavened bread seven days. The Passover is an eight-day feast in total. Because you have the Passover itself, which is a one-night feast, and then you have eight days of unleavened bread. And I forgot to mention earlier, when it said that they were cooking the feast in pans, that's the unleavened bread that was cooked in a pan. 18. And there was no Passover like to that kept in Israel from the days of Samuel the prophet, neither did any of the kings of Israel keep such a Passover as Josiah kept, and the priests, and the Levites, and all Judah and Israel that were present, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. It's saying that this was the greatest Passover feast that ever happened in Israel, and it was one of the last during the reigns of the kings of Judah. The reason it was the greatest was, I believe, because the population had increased. Because you know King David and King Solomon went all out when they did the Passover feast. But now, because of the population increasing, I think that's why it was a bigger feast. There were more people. 19. In the eighteenth year of the reign of Josiah was this Passover kept. 20. After all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, Necho, king of Egypt, went up to fight against Carchemish by the Euphrates, and Josiah went out against him. You notice Josiah did not ask God first, and in the Old Testament, every single time a king goes to battle without asking God, they always lose. Josiah loved the Lord, but he was foolish in that he did not ask the Lord before going to battle. Now, even though we love the Lord, we can still do foolish things. That's why we have to be vigilant and pray every day and listen to the Holy Spirit every day. Josiah was impulsive, and he must have not known the history of the kings very well, or else he had forgotten it, that every single time they fight without God's consent, they always lose. 
21, but he sent ambassadors to him, saying, What have I to do with thee, thou king of Judah? I come not against thee this day, but against the house wherewith I have war. And God hath given command to speed me, forbear thee from meddling with God, who is with me, that he destroy thee not. When Josiah went to battle against the king of Egypt with Carchemish, the king of Egypt said, God himself is the one who sent me to fight Carchemish. You better not try to fight me or you're going to lose because God is on my side. Even though the king of Egypt was a pagan, he knew about the Lord because of all the history of the Jews in Egypt, not only when they were slaves in Egypt and when Moses took them out, but there were other times when the Jews were in Egypt and interacted with Egypt. So the Egyptians always knew that the Hebrew God was the ultimate God, the only real God, even though they chose to have their pagan rituals. Necho had a word from the Lord to go and fight Carchemish, and he warned Josiah, but Josiah won't listen. 22. Nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguised himself that he might fight with him, and hearkened not unto the words of Necho from the mouth of God, and came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. Sometimes we don't listen to God's word because it comes from a source that we don't trust. But God can use anyone and anything to give you his word. You know, Balaam didn't trust what the donkey said initially. It wasn't a source that he trusted. And Abraham didn't trust Sarah when Sarah told Abraham to kick Hagar out of the tent with her son Ishmael, because Abraham didn't trust the source. Sometimes God will use the most unlikely person to give you his word. We need to be listening to the Holy Spirit so that we can recognize God's word when we hear it, no matter who it comes from. Now, we have to use discernment because a lot of times people will claim that they're a prophet or claim that they're a man of or a woman of God, and they'll give you a word that isn't from God at all. So we need discernment. But when we do know that we're hearing God's word, we have to listen. 23. And the archers shot at King Josiah, and the king said to his servants, Have me away, for I am sore wounded. Now the fact that Josiah went to battle in disguise shows you that deep in his heart he knew he was doing the wrong thing. Because if God was with him, he would have had no reason to disguise himself. But in the battle, he got shot with an arrow, and he asked his servant to pull him off of the battlefield. 24. So his servants took him out of the chariot and put him in the second chariot that he had and brought him to Jerusalem, and he died and was buried in the sepulchers of his fathers. And all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. The people loved Josiah because he was a godly king and he brought them into repentance, but he still made this foolish move at the end of his life. I don't think he lost his salvation. But I do think that he came to death prematurely because he didn't ask the Lord before he went into battle. 25. And Jeremiah lamented for Josiah, meaning he was sad about Josiah and wrote about it. When we get to the book of Jeremiah, we will be reading about King Josiah. And all the singing men and singing women spoke of Josiah in their lamentations unto this day, and they made them an ordinance in Israel, and behold, they are written in the lamentations. The death of Josiah is the subject matter of many songs in Israel. It was very, very sad. He was the last righteous king that Judah had. 26. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and his good deeds, according to that which is written in the law of the Lord. 27. And his acts, first and last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. And we already read those books. And that concludes... Second Chronicles chapter 35.